Today's gospel reports the call of some disciples to follow Jesus. Initially, I'd just like to clarify terms to enhance our understanding of what is occurring here. Sometimes people confuse a call with a conversion, but the words mean different things. Conversion implies leaving one's religion or philosophy for another. But a call implies a summons to a mission within one's religion or philosophy. None of those named in today's gospel were asked to change religions, but all were summoned to undertake a mission. They were called to follow Jesus. The Bible makes clear that the called were not outstanding people. In the words of one scholar, quote, they are depicted as a singularly inept and unattractive collection of followers. And not to put too fine a point on it, quarrelsome, boastful, cowardly, rebellious, vacillating, shallow, unbelieving, and in one case, traitorous. But as the Protestant reformer Martin Luther later said, God can ride the lame horse. (laughs) And Jesus himself, the one to be followed, was enigmatic, paradoxical, and shrouded in contradiction. Today's organizational consultants would have failed to get a clear, crisp purpose statement from this group or from its leader. The kernel of the mission itself, however, was revealed soon enough. Jesus apparently thought of himself not as a big leader or, to take a term from Africa, a big man, but taking a figure instead from Isaiah of the Hebrew Bible. He grounded his self-understanding in the opposite as a so-called suffering servant. In Klaus Westermann's translation of Isaiah from the ancient Hebrew, this servant endured torture submissively and opened not his mouth like a sheep that is led to the slaughter, like a lamb before its shearers. He was mute and opened not his mouth. He was carried off from prison and judgment, off from the land of the living, put to death. And they made his grave with transgressors, his burial place with miscreants, though he had committed no crime and there was no deceit in his mouth. This suffering and humiliation was followed by divine vindication and glorification and the assurance that his life had forwarded the purposes of God. Such was a remarkable statement of faith in God 
and of what the deity values, and if push comes to shove, wants in this world prone to violence and self-serving. In the words of the Apostle Paul, he died a man and reappeared a god. And to us, these years later, he still renounces power or any semblance of it. Instead, he loves, sympathizes, cares, and asks us to do the same toward each other. This is the content of that to which the disciples, including you and me, are called. To bring home this important message, I'd like to point briefly to a few examples of what might be termed a Christ-centered life by people who lived in my lifetime. The first of these is the only surviving teacher of mine from Divinity School in Cambridge, Mass. Within the past two months, Harvey Guthrie, 92 years old, lost the woman whom he had met in high school and later married. I believe they were married well over 60 years. And then a few weeks after her death, their oldest son died. Out of his grief, Guthrie wrote, quote, I still believe the powerless goodness of Christ will outlast everything else. Another example of one called by Christ was the German theologian Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He lived in a terrible time of brutality in Nazi-dominated Germany. When the Fuhrer and his thuggish cronies unleashed the governmental apparatus upon political foes, so-called homosexuals, gypsies, people with disabilities, and Jews, Bonhoeffer knew he could no longer live his life as before. He knew he was called and did respond by leading that handful of Christians brave enough to resist the madness of tyranny. He suffered and finally paid with his life. Finally, like Bonhoeffer, Martin Niemöller, a Christian pastor in Germany during that twisted up time, also responded to the call of Jesus. From his pulpit, this disciple spoke out against governmental oppression, and so from 1937 until 1945, he was imprisoned, first in Sachsenhausen, then at Dachau. In one of his sermons, he said, quote, first they came for the socialists, and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. 
Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and there was no one left to speak for me. If and when the times become perilous, we may be sure that the call of Jesus goes forth and maybe here or there a highly imperfect person hears or feels it. Maybe there is no place to flee from that call. As one of the Psalms says, quote, Whither shall I flee from thy presence? And it answers this question, nowhere. And thus, people of various capabilities, personalities, and aspirations may gravitate in a twisted-up world to the bedrock of what Bonhoeffer had called a Christ-centered life not for power, privilege, or preeminence does one heed that call, but to suffer if necessary, living in his spirit for the weak, the oppressed, the persecuted, or others.